Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us here today on the program. Great to have you with us. Jesse Allen here. And today's program brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Got a busy show on the way for you here today. We're going to talk weather coming up in just a minute with John Baranek from DTN. Also, it is National Farm Safety and Health Week along with Rail Safety Week. And we're going to focus on rail safety a little bit with Rachel Male, the Executive Director for Operation Lifesaver. She will join us coming up here later in the program as well. And we'll take a look at some of the latest news headlines surrounding agriculture at the end of the show today. But first up, let's uh, get an update on how the markets are shaping up here early in the week. Joining us now, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart, Darren Newsom. Darren, great to have you back on the show here today and uh, hope you had a good weekend certainly did it was nice and quiet uh beautiful weekend weather-wise and so i will be interested to hear what uh, what john has to say you know with harvest just getting rolling across the plains and midwest to hear his segment uh, on what he's looking for in the weather you know the extended forecast here for a while yeah, and that's going to be a big key, I think, with some of that early harvest activity rolling. And I have to wonder, Darren, maybe we're getting a little bit of that uh, early harvest pressure into these uh, grain and oilseed markets, a little bit of red to start off yeah. the week. Yeah, you know, not unusual for this time of year to see most of the activity on on Fridays and Mondays. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the week, you can almost take off and, and not really worry about it too much. But, you know, it, it, there does look to be some pressure. We'll have to see if, you know, how much of this starts coming from the commercial side. We'll watch spreads. Uh, we continue to see basis weekend, as is usual this time of year in both corn and soybeans. Uh, so, you know, we've got a lot to watch on the on the fundamental side. Uh, what really, you know, but jumping to, you know, the other form of analysis, the technical analysis, I think is really what stands out to me this morning is corn had you know december corn on its daily chart had a sideways trend between 473 and a half and 507 and a half so a range of 34 cents and we quickly took out the low end uh here this morning on monday morning so what you know from a, again from a purely technical point of view what you do is you just you, you just subtract that range from the breakout point so that takes us down you know, again, if we look nothing at nothing more than technicals, that would take us down to about 440 based on corn's round number reliance. So, you know, it, it does look like the market wants to break down a little bit. We kind of saw this coming with last week's close. It was the lowest weekly close by December corn uh, for this contract. Uh, it was a new low weekly close. So there's just not a lot of bullishness out there. But again, as you mentioned, we're, we're early in harvest. We've got a lot of we got a lot of combining ahead of us, a lot of bushels to come in. Well, a lot of bushels to come in and trying to find some of those final firm yields that we get out of the field. Uh, but even so, especially in this corn market, I agree with you, Darren. It doesn't feel like there is a whole lot uh, bullish to write home about. And it, it would take some pretty substantially lower yield numbers in corn, I would have to think, to really give that market somewhat of a bullish story. Yeah, and, and you raise a great point, uh, Jesse. It, it doesn't matter what any of the guesses are about yield, and it doesn't matter 
what you know folks are posting on social media about this yield and that yield and so on the market's telling us everything we need to know and, and as you saw that was much of my discussion uh in nashville last week is that the market indicates what's going on so you know and what we can see right now is whatever yields are and it doesn't again it doesn't matter what it is but whatever yields are it's more than enough to meet demand so there's the real issue uh is u.s corn and soybeans for that matter uh, they're both still facing some some key demand issues, and those just don't look to be going away anytime soon. They do not look to be going away anytime soon, and uh, I think as well, demand issues, soybeans too. Uh, that's something we have to watch. Will China, you know, step mm -hmm. back in and, and buy more beans? Have they really shifted their focus to South America? I think that's going to be a big uh, key moving forward here the next couple of months, Darren. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right, Jesse. We're in that six-month time frame now where the U.S. tends to ship the bulk of its annual exports of soybeans. Now, we did see another a small uh, sale overnight to China. Uh, I think it's like four and a half million bushels. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, not hugely surprising given what we've seen in some of the overnight activity. So, um, you know, we, we have to expect these kind of sales to be made. But now the next key, the, the next issue is when do we start shipping these? Uh Right now, it just doesn't look to be happening. But again, we can tell that by basis how it continues to weaken. But the interesting thing between corn and soybean basis, if we look at last uh, Friday's final calculations, soybean basis is still a little bit ahead of the uh, still a little bit stronger than the previous five year average, where corn was a little bit weaker. So, to me, this this tells us a couple things. One, we do still have tighter supplies of soybeans than corn, and two, there's still some demand. There is we could be seeing a slight uptick in demand, uh, you know, as we enter this time frame where China has pulled so much out of Brazil, they may need to be turning to their secondary supplier, the U.S. at this point, uh, to fill in some of the gaps. Darren, I want to talk about the Federal Reserve meeting here this week, and I know that's going to have an impact on the outside markets and in turn could have an impact here on the commodities, uh, grains, and then livestock as well. I've heard both sides. Some folks think the Fed could hold steady here and pause interest rates, and then some think the Fed could raise us another quarter percent. What's your perception of what we could get out of the Fed this week? Yeah, if we go back to what uh, Chairman Powell was saying, I believe this past June, July, after one of the, the previous uh, raises, uh, you know, the, every indication was the, the the Federal Reserve would move again, would raise again here in September. Since then, though, and, and, and a quick side note here, I've really, I, I, I don't have any problem with the fact the last couple of years, we've seen the Fed front run their announcements. So they, there's no shock to the markets. There's nothing like this. There's no, you know, unneeded chaos. They talk about it for months in advance. But as we've gone on through the summer and, and as we start into fall, more of the Fed governors are talking about that we could see a pause this month, we, and then, which would tell us that, OK, if we're going to push back a rate hike, now we're looking at the NOV-DIS, late NOV-early DIS meeting uh, when, when this could happen. So, you know, because we do know that, that you know, Chairman Powell was relatively clear the, the, the last few times he's spoken that we should be expecting another rate hike here in 2023. Well, we're kind of running out of meetings. So it's either going to be this week or it's going to be towards the end of November. So we'll have to see what happens. I would still be leaning towards a bit of a, another 25 basis point rate hike, but we'll see how it plays out. And, and I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on the markets, um, but, but we'll see. Again, that's, uh, that's why these things get traded. 
Well, Darren, before we let you go, any final thoughts, anything else you're keeping an eye on throughout the markets this week? Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. Another thing that's really kind of grabbed my attention here of late is the strength of the U.S. dollar, uh, you know, long-term strength uh, and the pressure that that's putting on the uh, on the euro. So, you know, and, you know, the old adage is, you know, the stronger the dollar gets, the weaker commodities in general t- tend to be. So, you know, that could be another hurdle. Uh, another hurdle that the U.S. commodity markets, the U.S. commodity complex in general, is going to have to deal with if the dollar does indeed continue to strengthen. Well, Darren, we always appreciate the time and the analysis when it comes to what's going on in the markets. And we wish you a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks so much. All right. Well, I really appreciate you having me on again, Jesse. Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart, joining us here today on AOA. And Darren alluded to it. Uh, We're going to get an update on the weather. How are things shaping up here for some of that early harvest activity? We'll talk to John Baranek from DTN. That's coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Back with more right after this. Spot less. Introducing the cleanup for tar spot, gray leaf spot, southern rust, and more. Novel next generation at Astrio fungicide. Broadens your spectrum and strengthens your residual when it comes to foliar disease control in corn. Visit your FMC retailer or at astrio.ag.fmc.com to clean up this season. Follow 2WE for tar spot management in corn. Valid until 131.28. Always read and follow all label directions. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of the Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for the Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. At Bayer, we think farmers have made enough trade-offs. That's why we created VT4 Pro with RNAi technology, so you don't have to choose between yield potential or our widest spectrum of insect protection. You get both. And you're even protected against notorious pests like corn earworm and corn rootworm. Visit vt4pro.com to trade up without the trade-offs. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. Always reserved. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. 
Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex. Your local Cenex is just around the corner. Everyday products, including premium diesel and lubricants like Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Find all those products, again, just around the corner, powered locally by Cenex. Well, we got to take a look at how this uh, weather forecast is shaping up here for some early harvest activity. Starting to see some of that uh, happen across uh, parts of the Corn Belt, but maybe some chances for rain that could slow things down here later on this week. Here to give us the details, John Baranek with DTN is on AOA with us here today. John, good to catch up with you, and I uh, hope you had a great weekend. I did, Jesse. Thanks for thanks for asking. Uh, it, it was a really good weekend. Now, a lot of us saw some some pretty good weather. You know, we also saw uh, a system in the front move through, and we saw some pockets of some some moderate rainfall in there. But most mostly, it was light. Uh, I know some areas of Iowa and northern Illinois got some more moderate to even heavy uh, rainfall, which we haven't seen in a while. It's kind of a little bit of a surprise to some of us. Uh, but but overall, not too bad over the weekend. Mine was great. Yeah, well, glad you had a great weekend, and uh, I know I did as well, and hope everyone listening had a, a good weekend too. And John, I mentioned some of that early harvest activity. I'm seeing some of the pictures on social media, folks getting out there and uh, getting after it pretty quickly. Is uh, you know we've had the drought issues that have dried down uh, a fair amount of this uh, quarter soybean crop here uh, enough for folks to get out there and start running hard. Uh, what's your take on some of that early harvest activity? What are you hearing? And how's the weather shaping up at least here early this week to be conducive to more harvest activity? Yeah, I mean, uh, soils are dry, temperatures are warming up, things are drying out here uh, for a lot of us. So I'm not surprised to see folks getting out and getting at it. Uh, we've got some chances for some rain kind of scattered throughout the, the western half of the Corn Belt uh, early on this week, I'd say. Um, nothing too major in there, but there, there may be some pockets of, of some th thunderstorms developing across Iowa into northern Illinois again uh, here tonight into tomorrow. Uh, we may see some little clusters there from Nebraska down to Texas as well. Uh, but for the next few days, uh, we're, we're sitting in a pretty good shape, I think, for a lot of us to get out there and get some work done. Uh, it'll be later this week when, when that kind of changes a bit. We've got uh, this this front and this system that will be developing out there in the plains here Wednesday, but mostly Thursday. We'll see uh, showers really start firing up, really from the Canadian border all the way down to Texas on Thursday. Um, and that system is going to be a very slow-moving system uh, through the rest of the week and then through the weekend. And uh, it's, it's really difficult to say actually where it's going to go next week. Um, we usually don't talk about these sorts of systems in the fall kind of lingering around, but it looks like it might. Uh, what we're going to see is this uh, ridge of high pressure set up, setting up over, over Canada, and it's really going to cut, cut this system off from the jet stream. So it's just going to meander a bit uh, into next week. So um, it looks like some areas of some really moderate to heavy rainfall, lots of thunderstorms. We might be seeing some severe weather out of it as well here. Uh, that would be Thursday through about Sunday. 
as it gets cut off from from the rest of the jet stream and everything, all the showers kind of diminish a bit, but they'll be sticking around uh, into next week. And it's really hard to say, honestly, um, where this little system is going to go since it's cut off and it's just going to meander. I mean, I've seen uh, models take it back towards the plains. I've mm -hmm. seen it take it south into the Gulf of Mexico, and I've seen it go right through the Great Lakes. So um, models are still trying to figure out where this sucker is going to go uh, next week. But until then, this week, uh, you know, the, the deeper we get into the into the week and into the weekend, we'll be seeing a lot more shower coverage and uh, intensity going on with it. So, um, you know, if, if, you, if you got a window this early this week and you want to take it, um, you know, it's probably a good time to do it. But if you're not quite there and you need to wait, you might have to wait a little bit longer with some of this uh, heavier rain coming through. Well, and there's uh, two sides to uh, that equation. I think there was some of that heavier rain coming through. I know many areas could definitely use the soil moisture as we look to replenish things. I think about the Mississippi River water levels being very low. And so, you know, trying to get some more rain fed into the Mississippi River system could be very beneficial as well. But then it also obviously slows down harvest. Now, we definitely have plenty of time to get this crop out here across the country, John. So it, it feels like it's kind of a, a two-sided coin here. Some benefits, but also some setbacks, depending on how long some of this uh, rain potential sticks around. Yeah, you're 100% right, Jesse. I mean, in in the fall season, rainfall is always a double-edged sword. Um, you know, for those folks, I mean, I mean we've, we've got widespread drought throughout uh, a lot of areas, and we've seen that kind of increasing even in, in eastern parts of the Corn Belt, too, over the last uh, couple of weeks here. If you look at the drought monitor, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot of white or, or no, areas not dealing with some sort of dryness here over the either the Corn Belt or across the south. Um, so getting this rain is going to be really good for those folks um, that, that really need the soil moisture. If you're still waiting uh, to get a little bit of forage in there, uh, if you're doing some uh, cover cropping or, or winter wheat planting, you know, obviously this, this is going to be great for that. But, you know, on the other side, it's, you know, really difficult to, to, to do some harvesting. Uh, the mm -hmm. good news is that we're way early in the season for that. So, um, uh, you know, if we're delayed, you know, a little bit because of this, I think the soil moisture part wins out, I think, over the getting the, the crop out, um, you know, just on the whole, I guess, on average, uh, maybe not, maybe not on, on your farm. Uh, but, uh, uh, I think on, on the whole there, it's, it's a, it's a bigger benefit than a setback. Yeah. Very, very true. John, let's talk South America. I know that's the other uh, piece of this puzzle that we got to really think about and talk about now as they are gearing up for planting here, they're finishing up Safrita cord harvest and, and more. So as you take a look at Brazil and Argentina, we know we've had some pretty heavy rains in southern portions of Brazil here, some flooding there. But as we look across the entire spectrum of South America, what's some of the latest you're seeing right now? Yeah, you're right. That southern area, that far southern state, it's called Rio Grande do Sul. And they do, they're kind of double crop wheat and soybeans, or they do a full season of corn. They don't do uh, a full soybean and corn rotation like they do in central uh, parts of the, of the country there. Um, that's the that's the state that's having the biggest issues. Um, and it looks like it continues to have issues this week. Uh, they've got a front there that's going to be stalled out all week long and possibly into next week as well. We'll see bouts of showers kind of dancing around that state and kind of areas around that as well. But it's really that state that's going to have the heavy rain. Uh, they've got 
uh, another forecast of, you know, two to four plus inches of rainfall here over the next week. So it's going to be kind of rough for those folks there. But outside of, you know, that state, everything's looking really good. I mean, they've had some isolated showers well ahead of, of schedule in central Brazil. Usually their wet season doesn't start for another week or 10 days. Um, but we've had rain there for the last three weeks and, and bouts of isolated showers since then. So they're setting up in good shape once that wet season really starts to, to kick in. Uh, and models look like the end of next week is when that's going to start. So it's going to start right on time. So things are looking really good for uh, folks there in central Brazil. Um, if you go into Argentina, there's like I think I've mentioned before, they're coming off of a historic drought last year um, and crop production was basically cut in half. Um, and uh, over the winter and early this spring, they've had some some decent rains to get them back into at least manageable position here. And El Nino is going to be good to them uh, most likely here for for their crop season. So um, they've got, you know, enough soil moisture, I think, to, to go out and plant, but nothing that's really holding them back from from planting. Uh, full force and they'll start ramping that up here over the next couple of weeks uh everything's really looking good for almost all of south america right now except for that that tiny little section there in uh, far southern brazil john uh, this thought just popped into my head as well panama canal we know there's been some restrictions there with lower water levels as we rope that into south america discussion here as well as maybe even the tropics i mean as you think about things like that are we are we looking for maybe any any help there potentially john actually i think so um it's i don't know if many people have heard about it but the uh international or the uh, geez, I always call it by the ITCZ, but I can't yeah. remember exactly <laughs> the, the words for it. The, the internet, yeah. uh, tropical convergence zone there is basically a, a belt of, of showers and thunderstorms uh, that kind of wavers from north to south, just depending on what time of year it is. And it's kind of settling over them right now. It's, it's in that time of year where they typically see that. So hopefully mm -hmm. um, we see some good rainfall, particularly in that area. It looks like we will um, over the next uh, couple of, of, uh, of weeks here. Um, so that that's at least some, you know, not bad news uh, for getting mm -hmm. things going through the, the Panama Canal. In terms of the tropics, though, um, you know, there's there's one hurricane out there right now uh, that's going to be, you know, just kind of dancing around in the Atlantic. We're not really too concerned about it at the moment. Um, we may have to look at this this front that went through over the weekend here um, It's going to stall out kind of off the Carolina coast for this week. And. You know, later this week and weekend, there's some potential there that that uh, that brews that the end of that front brews up into a, a little tropical system, but it's mostly for the East Coast, um, not not a huge issue for for most of us uh, here in the U.S. Um, and there's mm -hmm. also another thing coming off the the coast of Africa we'll be watching as well, but uh, overall that also has mostly a, a chance to stay over the Atlantic. Yeah. So, uh, right right now, not too concerned. Well, John, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us here today on AOA. Sounds good. Thanks, have, thanks for having me, Jess. John Baranek with DTN Weather. We'll be back with more here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel on the way right after this. 
paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stepacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. You're listening to AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and livestock are under pressure. Beans and wheat are leading the descent in the grains. Corn is, however, four or five cents lower currently. Livestock is also lower with feeders seeing triple digit losses. Now, the grains and oil seeds, they're seeing some harvest pressure here with mostly a dry week ahead and expectations that we could see corn harvest more than 10% complete on the USDA crop progress report later today. Soybeans are also getting some extra added pressure from palm oil futures, which gap lower early, halting a three-day gain. Canadian canola futures also start off lower as well. China's veg oil markets will start this new week lower with palm oil down 1.4% and bean oil off close to 1.7%. While wheat futures are seeing some extra added pressure as two vessels are heading to Ukraine to load wheat despite the mid-July end to the Black Sea Grain Corridor, Ukraine has been shipping despite constant attacks on ports by Russia as Ukraine attempts to use its own corridor to export grain along the coast of Romania. Now the forecast for this week is mostly dry for the next five days or so with only some isolated showers and thunderstorms in the Plains and Midwest. That should be followed next weekend by showers with totals of up to two inches possible in some areas. That's after since mid-August, weather has been much less than ideal for the soybean crop and some crop scouts and analysts see soy yield falling toward 49 bushels per acre from the USDA's current 50.1. That would move U.S. ending stocks to a critically low level. Now in the last 30 days, the Dakotas, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, and central Indiana have been extremely dry. Crude oil values are also rallying again to open this week, up around another buck per barrel today after prices surged easily past the $90 per barrel mark on Friday. Crude oil has added over $20 per barrel since the end of June and are approaching their highest levels in a year. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 
Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. And joining us now here on AOA, Rachel Molle, the Executive Director of Operation Lifesaver. We're talking about Rail Safety Week. And Rachel, thanks so much for joining us here on AOA today. How are you? I'm doing great, Jesse. Thanks so much for having me. I always love coming on your show and talking about rail safety, especially during Rail Safety Week. Well, and I, I think this is a, a great uh, kind of week to do this because obviously it's Rail Safety Week. It's also National Farm Safety and Health Week. So uh, I think the marriage between those two initiatives is so, so crucial here as uh, obviously fall harvest is upon us and, and much, much more. And before we really dive into some of the ins and outs of Rail Safety Week, Operation Lifesaver, of course, has been around for, for many years, uh, but for folks who may not be fully aware. Can you tell us a little bit more about Operation Lifesaver and some of the things that you guys work on when it comes to rail safety education? Sure. Well, Operation Lifesaver last year celebrated our 50th anniversary. So we're in our 51st year around the country. We have programs in almost every single state in the United States. We're in 47 states and the District of Columbia. So something I'm really proud of. And our state programs are headed up by state coordinators. And we have volunteers around the country working closely with state coordinators to get the rail safety message out. And what Operation Lifesaver does and what that rail safety message is, is we are, our goal is to end collisions, deaths, and injuries around railroad tracks and trains. So we go around the country and your community on a national level, a state level, getting that rail safety message out. We find that many people are unaware of the rail safety message or they've never received it. So that's how come being on a show such as yours is so important. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. And I find it as well very fitting that the first day of National Farm Safety and Health Week, the focus is on equipment and rural roadway safety. And I know a lot of our rural railroad crossings sometimes may not have uh, may not have all the operating lights and the control arms it may just simply be a a sign that says you know the railroad tracks are here so i know that's that's something to think about especially as we really enter this fall harvest time frame is being vigilant and and staying aware right rachel yes i think that is one of the most important things we ask people when you see tracks think train we want everyone to be cautious around tracks and trains, uh, more than 50% of incidents with vehicles occur at a crossing with either lights or gates. So people are not, um, they're either driving around the gates or they're trying to run the gates and beat the train. So really every time you see a track, think train and proceed with caution. Well, and I saw some stats here on the uh, OLI.org website and uh, hard for me to believe this, uh, but I, and I know it's true, but it's just, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Every three hours in the U S a person or vehicle is hit by a train. That is a staggering number in my eyes there, Rachel. Yes, I would agree with that. We are working every day to get that number down to zero. Uh, we're made of, of a dedicated and passionate group of state coordinators, volunteers, staff, 
board members and safety partners around the country. We want everyone to get home safely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, Rail Safety Week uh, going on here this week. I mean, talk about some of the different uh, awareness uh, that you guys are working on, especially here during this week. I know you do a lot throughout the calendar year, but obviously even more extra highlight here during Rail Safety Week. What are some some things that folks can uh, maybe take away here and just watch out for with awareness uh, this week? So every day during Rail Safety Week, we have a theme. And the themes range from no photos on tracks. That's something we really stress, right? Because now with the cell phones, everyone's a photographer. It's not just professional photographers. We really want people to not take photos on tracks. I see so many graduation prom and baby pictures, just kids, you know, um, taking selfies and everything and really need people to stay off the tracks and not take photos on the tracks. Um, Thursday is Transit Thursday. So it's not just freight trains and commuter trains. It's also um, transit trains. If you live in a community that has light rail or a subway system, we want people to know the rail safety message there as well. We also have Tuesday is our Operation Clear Track with our partner Amtrak, and we work with law enforcement and first responder agencies around the country. And uh, many of those um, police officers, first responders are at crossings throughout the country issuing um, warnings or citations in some cases, but sharing the rail safety message with their local communities. Really, again, wanting everyone to get home safely and to see tracks and train. I think about this as well as a lot of folks that I think sometimes they just aren't aware, you know, how a lot of our, especially freight trains these days, and this has been this way for many years, but it's not something where they can stop on a dime. It's, you know, there's thousands upon thousands of pounds there that, you know, even a train that's going at 40 miles an hour has a tough time stopping. It takes, uh, I know, well over a mile, I believe, to, to really get that train to a full stop. So that's a another thing to consider about, you know, being aware and not, you know, not doing things in or on railroad tracks that you shouldn't be. Right, Rachel? That is correct. It does take a train more than, uh, it could take a train more than a mile or more to stop. And Unlike a vehicle, a train can't swerve. Um, so it is always best to not be on the tracks, to stay behind the, uh, the gates if they're down or behind the white line um, if the lights are flashing. Also, if you see something on the track that shouldn't be there, uh, your vehicle, may, you may have gotten stuck on the track or there may be um, an abandoned vehicle, not even your vehicle. At every crossing, there is a blue and white sign called the Emergency Notification System Sign, or the ENS. You look at that ENS, and there's a toll-free number and a location identifier number. You call that toll-free number or call the number on the sign, and um, it will connect you with the train dispatch and let them know either that your vehicle is on the tracks and you're making that call well away from your vehicle in the tracks, um, or there is something that doesn't belong on the track, call them and they will get a message to the train to alert the crew um, that there is an obstruction on the tracks. I, I love as well, you guys are, are using uh, the hashtag stop track tragedies. I think that's a great theme overall is 
and we've alluded to is stopping uh, folks from being harmed, being killed by um, making a poor decision in and or on or around railroad tracks. So using that hashtag stop track tragedies, I think is is a, a great message, Rachel. Oh, great. Well, thank you. Um, I think also one of the things during Rail Safety Week that I didn't mention, Friday is read out for rail safety. It's one of my most favorite days. We use that hashtag, hashtag um, stop track tragedies and hashtag uh, read out for rail safety. And we ask people to wear red and take a photo um, and post it in support of getting that rail safety message out. And it's just wonderful seeing social media flooded. Um, with all the support and people making that commitment to rail safety and or taking the rail safety or the transit safety pledge that we have available online. And you guys have a lot of great resources online. I'm glad glad you brought that up, oli.org. I mean, just a ton of information there, a, a lot of stuff that folks can take a look at and, and educate themselves even more about you know the dangers of uh, not paying attention when you're around railroad tracks and just being safe. You guys have a lot of great resources available, don't you? Yes, thank you so much. And they're available not only on our webpage, oli.org, but they're free. And we have a variety of resources for different audiences, different ages, from very young children, pre-readers, to adults, to mature drivers, to school bus drivers, professional drivers, new drivers, I mean, there's just so much there um, for parents and teachers. We've got curriculum, some curriculum that incorporates the rail safety message. And it's all free. Um, so I hope uh, people will check it out and play some of our games, learn something, but also really take uh, some of the information to heart and uh, stop and pay attention when they're approaching the train tracks. Couldn't agree more. And we do appreciate the time. Again, folks can find more information, oli.org, as we celebrate Rail Safety Week during National Farm Safety and Health Week as well. We've been talking with the Executive Director for Operation Lifesaver, Rachel Malay. Rachel, thanks so much for joining us here today, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Great. Thank you so much, Jesse, for having me. I love being on the show. And again, see tracks Think Train. Thank you so much. And a great conversation there, once again, with Rachel Molle, the executive director of Operation Lifesaver. Well, not only is it Rail Safety Week, but we mentioned this as well. It's National Farm Safety and Health Week here this week, and there's different themes, different topics of focus each day this week. Monday's topic of focus, equipment and rural roadway safety. On Tuesday, it is health and wellness. Wednesday, priority populations. Thursday, confined spaces. And Friday is brain health. And you could find more details about that on the National Education Center for Agricultural Safety website. Just go online to necasag.org. And you'll find the tab for National Farm Safety and Health Week. Again, that's the website for the National Education Center for Agricultural Safety. We'll be talking more about farm safety and health here this week on AOA. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at some news headlines to wrap up the show. Brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. We'll be back with more here on AOA Agriculture of America right after this.
What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. At Bayer, we think farmers have made enough trade-offs. That's why we created VT4 Pro with RNAi technology, so you don't have to choose between yield potential or our widest spectrum of insect protection. You get both. And you're even protected against notorious pests like corn earworm and corn rootworm. Visit vt4pro.com to trade up without the trade-offs. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. Always reserved. Do you know how much one stock of wheat is worth? Well, you're about to find out. Wheat is a member of the grass family that produces a dry, one-seeded fruit commonly called a kernel. There are about 1 million kernels of wheat in a bushel, about 50 kernels per stock, which if we do the math is about 20,000 stocks of wheat per bushel. That means that if a bushel is worth $8, then each stock is worth about 0.04 cents. So, you would need 2,500 wheat stocks to equal $1. Now that one bushel of wheat will yield approximately 42 pounds of white flour or 60 pounds of whole wheat flour. A bushel of wheat makes about 42 pounds of pasta or 210 servings of spaghetti. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. And in the United States, one acre of harvested land yields an average of around 45 to 50 bushels of wheat. So if you ever wondered how much one stock of wheat was worth, now you know. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. 
In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. It is a premium diesel that you want in your machines during this harvest season. Find them locally. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. Let's take a look at news headlines before we wrap it up here on today's program. Well, ag organizations like the U.S. Grains Council, Growth Energy, and the Renewable Fuels Association sent a letter to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on sustainable aviation fuel. When it comes to global actions to decarbonize the aviation transportation sector using sustainable aviation fuel, the industry wants to encourage the use of updated carbon intensity scoring in the GREET model. They don't want scoring used in the Corsia model for corn-based ethanol, SAF. The letter says, quote, we strongly support adopting the DOE's GREET model as the standard for carbon intensity scoring of conventional aviation fuels and SAF. The latest GREET model relies on the most current information and highest resolution data regarding the energy use, carbon emissions, and potential land use impacts associated with the corn ethanol-based SAF process, end quote. The letter also says GREET allows the Treasury to unlock the full potential of agriculture to meet the growing global aviation industry, sustainable aviation fuel demand. Well, U.S. hard red winter wheat exports are forecast down 10 million bushels this month to 155 million bushels, the lowest since records began in the 1973-74 marketing year. HRW supplies, they've seen a long-term downtrend in U.S. acreage as corn and soybeans have gained acres in many locations. International wheat competition has also surged, resulting in exports of this class being less competitive on the global market. U.S. HRW supplies have recently been affected by significant drought in consecutive years, which has dented crop prospects and contributed to exports of this class being uncompetitive with other suppliers like Russia and the European Union. Historically, HRW was the leading class of American exports, but this year it's forecast to be the third largest class of U.S. exports, surpassed by both hard red spring and white wheat. Production of HRS and white is down year over year with lower yields, but drought hasn't hit those classes as hard as HRW wheat. 
Well, House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries accused the chamber's GOP majority of hijacking the farm bill in what traditionally has been a bipartisan effort. The New York Democrat was asked about House Ag Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson's latest reporter comment that a farm bill extension may be needed. The farm bill should not be a divisive area. It is fertile ground for cooperation and for common ground and for coming together. But the House Minority Leader charges that's not what's happened this year. The only problem that we confront now is that the extreme mega Republicans want to hijack the farm bill and to take it in a certain direction, inconsistent with meeting the needs of farmers and the American people. And we will oppose that every step of the way. Alluding to GOP efforts to further pair SNAP food stamp benefits and possibly other programs, but Republicans are unbowed by the criticism. South Dakota's Dusty Johnson earlier proposed expanded SNAP work requirements and limiting federal waivers to states to require work. Were these work requirements extreme when they were put into place uh, with Democrats and Republicans working together in 1996? Were those work requirements extreme when a bipartisan group of Democrats or Republicans stood together to renew them in farm bill after farm bill? Were they extreme when Senator Joe Biden said from the floor of the Senate, the culture of welfare must be replaced with the culture of work? But Democrats argue people who receive SNAP benefits are already working and struggling with surging food prices. The partisan food fight has spilled into the appropriations process, aggravating a bigger fight over spending that now threatens a government shutdown just days away. Well, a new Purdue University survey indicates that consumers appear to be more willing to live with higher pork prices if they are the result of meeting animal welfare standards like California's Proposition 12. In the nationwide survey, consumers said they would scale back their purchases if pork prices went higher, but fewer of them would cut back on buying pork if Prop 12 was the reason for the increase. A small segment of survey respondents said they would buy even more pork in that case. Elijah Bryant, a research analyst that Purdue, says, quote, We saw responses that suggest animal welfare is more important to consumers than previously thought. Even though the hypothetical price increase is the same size, fewer consumers would decrease their spending on pork, knowing the price increase was caused by animal welfare regulations, end quote. The Purdue survey results will get tested on January 1st when Proposition 12 is fully implemented. Well, the U.S. House of Representatives approved a bill prohibiting California's attempt to eliminate all gas-powered vehicles. The bill passed the House 222 to 190. It would keep states from limiting the sale of gas-powered cars and revoke any federal approvals, allowing states to do so, issued since the beginning of 2022. The vote was along party lines, but eight Democrats did vote with Republicans in favor of the legislation. The legislation doesn't specifically mention California in its language. States can implement tighter clean car rules stricter than those from the federal government under the Clean Air Act. Now, but those states have to get permission from the Environmental Protection Agency first. The Hill says the EPA reinstated a waiver allowing a California rule aimed at limiting vehicle pollution to take effect. Since then, the state intends to completely phase out the new sales of gas-powered cars. Now, the bill isn't expected to become law, but definitely something to keep our eyes on moving forward. And also this past week, Farm Bureau announced the 10 semifinalists that will compete in the Farm Bureau Ag Innovation Challenge. American Farm Bureau Director of Industry Relations Chase Heineman says the teams of entrepreneurs will compete for startup funding. We're super excited to have announced the top 10 semifinalists 
for the American Farm Bureau's Ag Innovation Challenge. We've had a really great crop of companies from the applicants who submitted applications for this coveted program now in the 10th year and are really excited to get them to conventions to compete for much needed capital to help expand their businesses. Heinemann says the program offers competitors valuable training and insights as well as networking and exposure. We have some partners that are going to provide some pitch training through Cornell University. We have some opportunities for them to engage with potential funders at convention. They will be able to connect with our members. And then, of course, they'll compete for up to $165,000 in award money that will help them expand their businesses and continue to provide those services and products. And you can learn more about the semifinalists online at fb.org forward slash challenge. Well, we're out of time here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to AOA. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we We are are the the foundation foundation fighting fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.